Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a program dedicated to raising awareness of issues concerning animals. This includes advocacy, activism, protection, conservation, and importantly, appreciation. The show is broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne on 855am, and you can find it on all of the podcasting places or your favourite app, so check it out online or on your favourite podcasting app. And thank you very much for uh, to Sally for another fantastic show of Out of the Pan, discussing all things pansexual sexuality. Um, so thanks, Sally, and tune in next week at 12 uh, to get, catch the next um, show of Out of the Pan. Always an interesting one to listen to. So, this week, we're actually going to be doing something a little bit different, and I am joined happily um, with my, uh, by, my, by a friend of the show, someone you've heard a couple of times, uh, Christian Freitag. Hello, and an Chris- official friend of the show. Yeah, <laughs> Christian, um, I was actually hoping to have a show today that, um, that was going to discuss the Blockade IMARC, which is uh, an event happening in a, about a week and a half that uh, you'll hear um, you'll hear an advertisement for that uh, during the show. And it's a big event where a coalition of groups is getting together to blockade the International Mining and Resources um, Convention or Conference. And uh, it's going to be a, a really important event um, for environmental and human groups and, and animal groups uh, as well. It was, but there's been a, a spanner in the works with that, and we weren't able to um, do that show this week. But I promise there will be a discussion of Blockade IMARC on the show in um, in a little while. We'll, we'll get some people on to talk about that um, that topic, uh, but unfortunately not today. But check out Blockade IMARC. On Facebook, if you want to know about the event, that's an event happening in Melbourne on, I think, the 28th and 29th of October, so not long away. So instead today, because that one sort of didn't didn't happen, um, we're going to go over some of the interesting news that we've been coming across in the last couple of weeks, and there is, if anyone's been following, um, there's some that you'll definitely uh, be aware of, I imagine, especially if you're in Australia. And um, there's been plenty of news in the animal world uh, around various things that we're going to chat about um, to do with animal activism and veganism as well. And I'll also be playing some songs that I don't usually get to play because I, whenever I do a show, I try to match the songs with the content of the, or the topic that we're discussing. And there are some songs that um, don't off, that, that it just don't, 
connect with topics, particularly the first song I'm going to play later, uh, and I'll, I'll point it out, but it's it's quite a, um, a powerful song, I think, and I'll give a bit of a spiel to that one beforehand. Um, and despite despite these songs being ones that I like and, and, uh, and uh, getting in there, I think they do fit with the news items that we're discussing today. So um, we're going we're gonna to get to the first one. And basically, not necessarily a news item, just an interesting um, point that is worth mentioning and, and worth people checking out, is the new documentary called The Game Changers, which is a film on Netflix. Um, and Christian, do you want to tell us a little bit a bit about The Game Changers? What do you... Yeah. Yeah, so it's basically a documentary um, exploring... Um, athletes primarily, um, and how they perform on plant-based diets. Um, so it covers quite a few different people, people who have either transitioned to plant-based diets um, to try and get um, like uh, benefits for recovery and things like that. Um, it's narrated by um, James Wilkes, who is a former UFC fighter, I'm not sure if he still is, mm. um, who initially started looking to sport medicine and stuff like that after he um, basically injured both of his knees um, I was trying to look for different ways to recover a little bit better. And in doing so, as far as the narration for the, <laughs> the documentary goes, um, found a whole bunch of different athletes who had boosted their recovery by switching to plant-based diets. Um, so there's quite a few different athletes in there. We've got um, sort of the typical suite of endurance athletes. There's quite a lot of um, endurance athletes nowadays who are um, plant-based because um, it sort of seems to gel fairly well in terms of recovery. Yeah, um, but ultra-marathon runners and, yeah, and yeah. things like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then it's also got a few other people, like um, people who are, there's a Australian athlete I've forgotten her name. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, that she's a 400 meter runner, so it's quite an explosive style of um, completely opposite to endurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's um, plant based, and then it's also got a, a power lifter as well. There's a German strongman who is vegan, as opposed to just plant based, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and. Uh, Patrick, Patrick Boomy. Yeah, Boomian or something. Boomian, yeah. Think, yeah. I'm, I'm bad at <laughs> I pronouncing this, the name, yeah. but yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a good advocate for animals, absolutely. Yeah, especially if, you look, if you're a fan of YouTube, you'll see his name every now and then. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a couple others thrown out there. There's Lewis Hamilton. He's obviously a very big name um, in Formula One. Um, he's been a pretty big vegan advocate lately. Yep. Um, so it explores that. And it goes into a bit of the science of how um, plant proteins work um dispels a fair bit of myths surrounding you know can you get um complete complete proteins from plants things like that um the negatives of um eating animal products basically um especially in regards to things like inflammation which is a big thing for athletes because obviously the more you're inflamed the harder it is to recover because all that you're doing as an athlete is damaging a muscle and repairing it and the more work that you can get in terms of being able to damage the muscle and repair it more often, mm. then you get more out. And basically. that was around um, so yeah. inflammation of uh, blood vessels and and yeah. veins and things. If you have inflammation, it means you've got lowered um, or you've got a constriction of those blood vessels, so you've got uh, lowered blood flow, which reduces recovery, basically. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. An approximation of that. Yes. <laughs> so it seems like it's... It's primarily talking about, it's not really talking about the ethics or anything, or at least from, from what I could really gather. Mm. Most of it was about, um, at, like, basically plant-based diets and athletes. Um, yeah. And I think it was primarily catering towards that notion, you know, that real men, <laughs> mm. real men eat meat. Yeah. Um, and it was very, um, 
thank you for pointing this out that it is very sort of a uh, masculine focus there are female athletes in the documentary but you can sort of it's geared towards dispelling that notion that you know yeah. men need meat to be strong and fit like that's even in the very intro mm. uh, it shows a lot of when james was growing up and he was basically his footage, dad footage. Yeah. yeah it was <laughs> yeah, really interesting yeah. footage his dad kept on asking prompting him you know um when he's like a five-year-old boy and stuff like that really yeah. doing these weird prompts where what does a, superman eat does superman eat meat yeah, yeah. it's like oh should yeah. should all kids eat meat yeah. yeah to be strong all kids should eat meat yeah, yeah. it's a really interesting <laughs> and then the flip side of that is later on it shows that his that his dad has a heart attack mm. and one of the other things that's um promoted to sort of help um help with his health is plant-based <laughs> plant-based diet yeah um, and yeah cardiovascular disease a plant-based diet is yeah. it's been shown to be quite effective um in yeah. the literature to combat cardiovascular disease and and even i think in some cases reverse um some of the mm. the negative so if you've got really bad um, arteries and things that can bring you back to a better level um yeah. and yeah it, it is a, it's this 180 isn't it his dad's talking about all this meat and these animal flesh in the at the start yeah. but then by the end of the the story the story arc um the his dad james wilkes's dad is now eating a plant-based diet so that he doesn't have another heart attack yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was and i think that's one of the things that i liked i watched it last night um i was just i was just flicking through and i, was, I saw it and i'm like uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give it. A, I'll give it five minutes. I usually, I don't usually get into the vegan docos. Or sorry, this isn't a vegan doco. We should be clear. It's a plant-based. It's a doco about plant-based diets. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And when we say that, a vegan veganism is an ethic, mm. which includes eating a plant-based diet because that is, um, it doesn't hurt animals as much as eating animals. Yep. Um, so, but what this is talking about is the, the. Um, nutritional and medical benefits and sports mm. benefits you get from plant-based diet. They're not talking about the ethics yeah. of plant-based diets. Yeah, but there is a there is a relationship for us, some people because they might feel, and this is, I think, where a lot of um, men come into it, like, you know, the people who want to go to the gym and want to be fit and healthy, sometimes they're, they're thrown off because they go, oh, well, you know, especially when they're starting, mm. like, oh, morally, yeah, I can't justify eating animals. But how am I going to be fit? How am I going to be strong? Mm. How am I? Because they feel yeah. like you need it, and I yeah. think things like this are helpful in terms of um, changing the approach or the mentality towards it. Yeah, and um, and you definitely see this more and more. I feel like over the last seven years since I've been in this space, I suppose, being vegan and and looking into this stuff, over the last three years, there's been this huge shift in the way people think about um, plant based diets it used to be a lot about um being weakened and unhealthy and now it's almost <laughs> yeah. flipped i think the, the the sports people have been doing this really well where they've been really talking about the benefits of a plant-based diet i think that's really mm. started to shift now yeah. people think plant-based diet is is sort of related with healthy diet whereas yeah. seven years ago that was not the case. The yeah, the the irony or the flip side of that is, and this this can be actually sometimes problematic, is that whenever you see a um, like it becomes um, so ingrained now that you know people see like oh if you're eating vegetarian or vegan or plant based, I'm like you are meant to be healthier. So now whenever someone is a proponent of a plant based diet and they 
aren't healthy. Me, that's everyone, me. Yeah, for example, <laughs> everyone is quick to label any slight problem that person has as being a consequence of the diet yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> without realizing you can eat an unhealthy yes. <laughs> diet as well. Yeah. Um, but junk, junk food vegan, yeah. Yeah, exa- exactly. Um, and that's where it can get frustrating where you can get tons of different news articles mm. like leaping onto every... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, just to, just to bring it back to the um, yeah. to the documentary, mm. I really liked the story arc, and and it did a good job of bringing together the story, the the um, anecdotes from the various athletes that they had on the on the program on the documentary, and the science. So they'd have these um, story elements, and then they'd do some really good um, scientific communication explaining a particular aspect of um, plant-based diets impact on health or recovery or these different things. And I think um, from the movies or the documentaries that I've seen that are in this similar vein, like Cowspiracy, What the Health, this one was least problematic in terms of the science that I saw. I I didn't... So with um, What the Health and also Cowspiracy, although Cowspiracy does a lot of... has a lot of really good science behind it, Mm. there are one or two things where it overblows the mm. the science and um i think that's to the detriment of the argument and to the detriment of the documentary what the health had very similar criticisms it overblows mm. some of the research in that space i didn't feel there, there wasn't any point in the in this documentary where i was like oh vegans have done it again <laughs> or sorry plant-based <laughs> people have done it again they're they're overstepping what the research is actually saying about a plant-based yeah. diet and they're spinning it they're trying to use um, they're spinning the propaganda in the in the other direction. Making it a miracle cure for everything. Yeah, yeah. That that yeah. was not the case in this yeah. one. They did not make it a miracle cure for everything. Yeah. And I think I really appreciated that. I think yeah. that was. I think it's a much um, more uh, useful way to have mm. the conversation. Yeah. That yes, a vegan, a plant based diet is really good for your health if you do it properly. Um, but you can also have a healthy diet otherwise. But a plant based diet is really good. And it's not mm. just this. You're not going to be weak and you're not going to be um, yeah, n- if, unable to compete. Yeah, if those are your concerns, you can mm. actually thrive. Yep, based that's on right. On a best diet. Yep. Mm. Yeah, no, so it was, a, it was an interesting doco. Certainly check it out if you've got Netflix, The Game mm. Changers. Um, and, yep, it's an hour and 20 minutes. It's a quick one um, and it's got some really good information in there. And, it, and the, yeah, the one criticism I did have of it was that it really was focused on male mm. athletes but i watched an interview with james wilkes um after the documentary and that he actually said yes we we recognize that 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 happened and it is because we are trying to um really the the, the documentaries based on this underlying myth that men real men eat meat and mm. you know the majority of people who eat meat are male and men have this real negative association with plant-based diets. So I think they were trying to hit a target audience. Um, yep. And hopefully, I'd love to see another documentary where they do focus on um, female athletes and mm. bring in... Because they, they interviewed a lot more people that didn't actually make the cut of the show. Yep. Um, so it'd be really great to see those those um, plant-based female athletes mm. highlighted in another way. Yeah, It did have the, um, the cyclist and the runner. Yep. Yep. Yeah, there's a few others yeah. out there yeah. that they that didn't make the cut apparently, yeah. but um, yeah, nonetheless, a, a worthwhile documentary to check out. Now we're going to switch tracks 
and we're going to listen to a song, and it's a very confronting song by Poison Girls, um, which draws comparisons between pet, and I do this in quotes, pet ownership, exploitation, and the oppression of women. And it's a song that I've really wanted to showcase on this, on Freedom of Species for a long time, but I've never never had the opportunity, so I thought, let's do it now. Um, there are some really strong themes in this song, including extreme violence against animals and women. So if that does not sound like your cup of tea, um, then please turn it off for five minutes and we'll and come back on in, in, in five minutes. But I wanted to play the song because it has a powerful message um, and I think it draws the connection between um, various forms of oppression and how they are interconnected. So this is the offending article by Poison Girls. Substitutes for human love. Less risky than a human relationship. And when the affair is over, you can always put your pet to sleep. An affair of convenience. The convenience of a dominant species. Capture, domesticate, exterminate. Alongside exploitation of animals, the laboratory experimentation, the pet and pet food industry is enormous. Feeding off our alienation from each other, sentimentalizing animals to fit in with our deprivations and needs for love, physical contact and control. Capture, domesticate, exterminate, so the prettiest and most appealing pets are fed and pampered in return for companionship and obedience. Where have we heard that story before? The Miss World Contest? The pretty docile pets of male sexist fantasy? Capture, domesticate, exterminate? A new girl every year? A new wife every seven-year itch? The Nazis selected the pretty Jewish girls for their brothels in the concentration camps and murdered the old and ugly, discarded them and used their bodies for soap, lab shades and even to feed their guard dogs. Capture, domesticate, annihilate! was a young girl child in the Second World War. All men were soldiers. I couldn't tell from their almost identical khaki uniforms which were ours and which were the enemy. Some of them came home on leave and mingled their tales of fighting on the front with suffering stories about the famous brothels of Port Said, where prostitutes were on offer side by side with donkeys. Donkeys who were screwed and abused, just like the women were. Extra, extra throws and treats. I couldn't understand the hot-eyed glances and laughter at these stories. I was frightened. I'm still frightened. And of course, male military macroethics approved of the brothels rather than encourage homosexual contact between the ranks. 
military regimes are terrified of love developing between soldiers. Balls must mean toughness and courage, but the bullet rips through and reveals the vulnerability of male flesh. Almost as tender as a woman, almost as vulnerable. They dare not admit that possibility. All butchers are men, the master race, manipulators, tormentors, manufacturers of meat. You rape and plunder and train your sons to follow in your footsteps by word and by deed. Give up your knives, take instead the vulnerability of your own body, your fragile penis. Cherish love between man and man. Learn the tenderness of your own genitals before you carelessly penetrate the bodies of young and fertile girls. Learn first the mysteries of contraception, love, and respect. And in the meantime, don't be surprised if the rest of us will rise up and turn against you. We can invoke nightmares of revenge worse than you can imagine. And the woman may rise up who will have her knife. And in the name of life, she will take her knife and castrate him will avenge even the least laboratory rat that discarded ends up in a tin of power. You may feed your pet tomorrow morning. Looking to connect with your local community and do something rewarding? Well, volunteering to lead a neighbourly ride could be exactly what you're after. The short 40-minute group rides are for all ages and ride levels. Help people build their confidence, feel supported while safely exploring the local areas of Brunswick, Carlton, Fitzroy and Northcote by bike. Volunteers receive free ride leader training, so go to neighbourlyride.com to contact us about volunteering. A 3CR supporter. Capture, domesticate, annihilate. That's a, it's a really full-on song. It's really powerful, drawing connections between animal oppression, um, gendered violence against women, uh, male fragility and, and, masculine, and um, toxic masculinity, um, war, all sorts of things. It's, it's full-on. It's really challenging, I think. Mm. I think the, the main thing, the, the theme for me which I picked out... <laughs> may not be the main thing, but the thing that I mm. heard across was sort of the um the degree of entitlement which mm. people seem to have over other beings <laughs> um whatever shape or form mm. um to like I said like to to own or exploit. Yep. Um yeah. and particularly sort of this they're drawing this um this relationship between the I the male dominance and owning you know this idea within society that we have pets and that that extends from both animals and and women and it's just disgusting yeah but it's a, it's mm. a really challenging song and if you want to listen to that again go check it out it's um poison girls um the offending article but now we're going to jump on to uh, a different Discussion, and I suppose this fits in actually with the discussion we're about to have. Just a quick one: um, in Australia, in the ACT, which is the Australian Capital Territory, this is basically um, Australia's capital. It's got Canberra, 
base, the ACT is basically Canberra, the city Canberra, <laughs> um, with a little bit of land around it. It's where the politicians live. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's like Washington, D.C. in America, I suppose. Um, yeah. And they basically passed uh, some legislation recently to change the legal status of animals from property to recognising them as sentient beings. But, and there's a big but, it really, the, the stuff that they've brought in really only, um, re- will really only make a difference, if any difference, to companion animals. Because any animal that um, is being used under a, um, a standard operating procedure, so for instance, slaughterhouses or farmers or whatever, they have these standard operating procedures, um, standards of practice, sorry, standards of practice um, that that say how they're allowed to treat animals. If, if you're an animal and you live under one of those, which means you can be castrated without, um, without anaesthetic, which means you can be killed and abused in many various different ways, then even if you are considered sentient, it doesn't matter. We're not going to pre- protect you. So this, um, this bill, to me, this legislation, smacks of, of convenience it's a way to say, it's like signalling that, oh, we care about animals, but mm. not really. Yeah. We care about animals, but we're not actually going to do anything to protect them. And in fact, even the, the protections that are put in place for um, cats and dogs, basically, it's around um, re- like being um, constrained if, if they're not allowed to be walking freely and stuff like that even even in these cases what they're doing they're not changing society's understanding of the issue they're just they're just saying we're going to find if someone is um treating the animal poorly um we're going to find them fifteen hundred dollars or something like something something sim- simple like that yeah and criminalization of acts does not mean people stop doing those things yep yeah, exactly. It's, so it, it's supporting the um, further criminalisation of, of things rather than really getting to the deep-seated um, issue of this, of animal cruelty, which is what that song just talked about, which is this mm. this dominance ethic that we have, or this dominance ideology that humans are superior to other animals and we can use them mm. how we want. The first thing that... When you told me about this particular bill, the first thing that came to mind is, yeah, but it's probably just for cats and dogs, right? <laughs> and even that, like, even then, it doesn't really go far enough. It's it's a feel good law. It doesn't actually do anything yep. per se. It's not necessarily um, going to make dogs and cats even yeah, ex- experience exactly. better yep. lives. Exactly, and it's just a bit a little, a little bit crazy when you can say, oh, you know, a dog is sentient, but why isn't a mm. pig? Yep. Is there some degree of um? Well, yeah. I think the thing is, I think this bill, um, I think it recognises that pigs are sentient. I think it does. I, I tried to look at it and mm. identify what their um, definition of sentient animal was. Yeah. I couldn't find it, so I need to do that. And I, I think I'm going to try and get someone on who's a legal professional yeah. to come and chat about this It'll on be... show. But, but I'm pretty sure they do recognise that um, pigs are sentient, for instance, mammals and and, yeah. Um, yeah. and whatnot. But... Because pigs are used under a um, standard They're exempt practice. from any legal... Inf- yeah. Exactly. Which actually makes it even worse. Because industry... <laughs> yeah, so industry industry uses pigs, so yeah. you can do whatever you want to them, as long as it's under one of these SOPs, which means you can do whatever you want to them, because industry write those SOPs. So you're sentient, but sorry. Yeah. You're <laughs> sentient, but we don't care, because we get something out of you that we want. To draw a parallel, like, well, you're a slave, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a... Yeah. 
That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's really it's really horrible. Yeah. Anyway, so that was one in Australia. We've got this sentience law, which all the news uh, um, outlets and media were were talking about. Um, but really, what does it mean for animals? Not a lot. So the next discussion is um, again in Australia, and uh, if if you are in Australia. Um, you might be aware that right now it is um, horse racing season. So it's that time of year when people get on top of horses and whip them and make, force them to run around a track, um, and many horses die during that process. Several horses usually a year during the Caulfield Cup, I think that's what this is, um, or the, I, I don't even know, the festival, this festival where they have lots mm. of different races happening. The Spring Carnival, that's what it is. Yep. And, you know, the Melbourne Cup, which is internationally famous, that's happening in a couple of weeks. Um, this week, the ABC, um, the Australian Broadcasting um, Corporation, mm. <laughs> um, 7.30 program, they released an investiga- investigative report on what happens to Australian racehorses. If, so the industry... Um, births or um, yeah, breeds thousands, yeah. thousands and thousands of racehorses every year. Not all of those racehorses are going to be the best. Not all of them are going to be around for very long. And you know, a good racehorse apparently, or horse that is forced to race, I should say, um, is maybe races for two or three seasons and then they're too old. So what happens to these thousands, like? Within like fourteen to sixteen thousand horses every year that are being replaced, what happens to them? And this investigative report showed that thousands and thousands and thousands of horses in Australia are being sent to slaughterhouses. Yep. And that these slaughterhouses, uh, the the footage showed um, intense intense levels of cruelty. Mm. I mean. As if sending you to a slaughterhouse isn't cruel enough. They were being abused and tortured while they were there, being kicked and and um, physically abused. Um, yeah, so that that was another another piece of news and mm. sort of what it that the what what I was getting frustrated at. So it's gotten a lot of attention in Australia. Um, you know, the the Age, one of the big um, papers here in Australia, had a. Um, front page article on the Saturday age, but today's age, it's all talking about the spring carnival again. It's just back into the ra- horse races. Oh, let's go to the spring carnival. Yep. They're really trying to distance themselves from it. The hate, the horse racing industry. I've heard several interviews from mm. people who are within the industry, and they're all like, "Oh well, this isn't an issue from the horse racing industry's perspective. This is downstream issue." It so, happens somewhere else right along the chain. It's not us. Yeah, it's, it's not us. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what they've been yeah. saying. Except, it's it's just sad because if you think about it, you know, in a logical kind of way, and you look at how things are connected, it's the same as, say, the cattle industry, where you look at, um, so male, male calves, mm. like where do they go? Obviously, the the farm is not going to support all these calves being born. So, racing industry, they got horses which aren't champions. What are they going to do with the horses? They're not going to pay to support them in most cases. Yep. Like they're going to get rid of them. Yep. But people don't usually draw the connection or they don't want to draw any kind of connection or think about it so to say it's a downstream issue when you're causing the issue yeah. <laughs> is a little bit of a yeah yeah it's it's a sleight of hand to try and get the community back on board knowing yeah. that your industry is causing horrific um consequences for thousands yeah. of sentient individuals yeah and you'd have to take even if for example racing victoria they don't may not manage 
these farms directly, mm. but it's their industry. Mm. Like they're directly responsible for how these things work and work out. Or the, well, then mm. they're, yeah, they're they're not at the moment, but there's been oh, there's yes. calls saying mm. that they should be. Yeah, I mean, really, the calls. Hopefully, we'll get to a point where we just don't race horses. Yeah, it's just nice, a yeah. nasty. <laughs> it's a nasty thing. Yeah. Let's not do it. And yeah. yeah, like like Christian was saying, the um, the thing about competitive sports, and particularly with animals, using animals, and I use the word sport very, very lightly, um, is that we use selective breeding. And selective breeding is a numbers game. You're trying to um, pick the... So if you want, if you want a really um, big apple, you... you um, use selective breeding to breed two trees that are the you, you pick the best the best examples of large apples and you breed them together and you do it and you do it and you do it and if in every batch you're going to get lots of small apples and they're just you're not going to consider those you're just going to get rid of those and with animals it's exactly the same you're getting every um, batch of of foals that you're getting there's going to be a, a breadth of um, standard a breadth of ability and you're only going to take the top all of the rest are just going to get killed. Yep, and that is that is the horse racing industry. Yep, you can't get away from that fact. And I know that, like obviously, racing Victoria will say, "Well, that's not their fault," and then they'll say, "Probably us. Oh, not all farms do this." Mm. But yep. <laughs> that that argument never flies. Like you know, hashtag mm. not all farms. <laughs> it just doesn't work. Yeah, um, you still have an industry which works in a certain way where to operate. Um, in a way that doesn't dispense of those, you know, substandard horses, mm. will it just won't be economic because of the way they've set up that industry. That's that's yep. the reality of how they'd look at it. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a sad one. Um, but while I was watching this footage, which was um, pretty horrendous, actually. Um, so yeah, the footage is out there if you if you need to see it. Um, but it's pretty pretty distressing. So watch it at your own um, understanding, your own ca- capacity to watch these things. Um, while I was watching it, I, I, was, I saw in, in the footage, uh, if anyone knows of Temple Grandin, this, this acclaimed animal welfareist who basically designed, um, quote, better, <laughs> or, you know, um, air quotes, better slaughterhouses to... Humane slaughterhouses. Yeah, to distress, <laughs> to, to produce less stressed animals going to slaughter and has been lauded as a, a, a um, great welfareist because of that. I don't know why that is, but it's pretty horrendous. Here's a um, couple of songs that, um, that are critiquing Temple Grandin uh, and their approach to animal slaughter. So this, the first song's called Temple Grandin. The second song's called Temple, Temple Grandin 2. And they are both by um, the band AJJ. Open up your murder eyes and see the ugly world that spat you out. Open up your ugly mouth and sing the words in Chinese pedo. Just to wait. 
Like a god begging to be murdered A revolving door that only goes one way A simple force speaking through a conduit A baby born on an ordinary day A Jesus that doesn't want to be a Jesus Is given no other choice than to be a Jesus Understanding life is meaningfully worthless The world was born to kill All the Jesuses There's something big and powerful and wise And it's begging us to end its worthless life So let's be Temple Grandin for the night And find a friendly way to make it die On an empty street in a neighborhood that used to be better In an empty house once filled with heavy shit In a nearly empty bed inside a nearly empty room I learned it There's something big and powerful and wise And it's begging us to end its tragic life So let's be Temple Grandin for the night A hug without a human is alright We'll find a friendly way to make it die A hug without a human is all right. We'll find a friendly way to make it die. Guitarist Matthew Fagan Band and Friends presents Earth Show. 
a rock and classical journey across our living planet. It's a music and visual spectacular celebrating the one planet that we inhabit. Saturday the 9th of November at the Deacon Edge Federation Square. Concert starts at 8pm and an environment symposium, Our Shared Home, is on from 5pm. There's a 40% discount for 3CR subscribers, making your all-inclusive tickets just $33 for adults, $30 concession and $24 for students. Plus booking fee and don't forget to book in with the 3CR subscriber code 3CR20. Go to www.matthew-fagan.com. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR, 855 AM, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, And we're also online at 3cr.org.au and freedomofspecies.org, I think. .org, yep. Um, And so we were just listening to two songs um, titled Temple Grandin, Temple Grandin 2 by AJJ. Open up your murder eyes, indeed. Um, Really um, poignant sort of uh, lyrics there. What did you think? Christian. I quite liked it, <laughs> especially the um the second one. For me, it had like the right level of I don't know where to put it. Um, approachability, <laughs> I think, because sometimes that's that's tricky for people who aren't already yeah, <laughs> on yeah, board. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the second one is like it raised it with the right level of um sort of self-deprecation and um yeah. and tongue-in-cheek. The delivery of, like, you know, friendly way to make it die. Like yeah, it yeah. Just, and it was clear enough. It was like, oh, this is what I was trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> so. yep. yeah, quite, quite some good songs there. Uh, okay, so now we're on to um, our, an, another bit of topics, uh, another bit of news. And, I mean, I'm sorry, the, the news has been a little bit, um, a little yeah, bit. I was just thinking that. It's, it's a, little bit, <laughs> a little bit down. We've got to have an end on a high note here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure it's going to be a high note, but um, <laughs> but yeah, an important important um, some more footage uh, released um, from Germany by uh, Cruelty Free International. There was some really horrific footage uh, has come out of a lab in Germany. The lab is called Laboratory of Pharmacology and Toxicology, um, uh, which shows really severe mistreatment of monkeys, dogs, and cats in a testing facility. This facility basically tests um, pharmacology and toxicology um, substances for to, to determine whether they can be used in humans and human trials and things like that. It's apparently the biggest, the biggest lab in, in Germany that does this, um, and it's a, it's a private, private company. And the footage that's been released is horrendous. You know, there's a lot of... Whenever, whenever this stuff co- sort of comes out, the scientific community always pushes back and they make up excuses around why they need to do this sort of stuff. And and there's been a bit of um, a bit of pushback lately, saying, "Well, you know, this sort of stuff doesn't happen anymore." You, they they they're like, "Oh, you know, these really atrocious things." They're, they're, we've only got the footage from like the '90s or the '80s or the '60s, but the footage that we've got now looks like that stuff from back in the '80s, back in the '60s. It's it's horrendous. Where they've got um, restrained monkeys in in horrendously like restrained around their neck and and looking horribly uncomfortable there's really strong signs of of um psychological 
illness in, in some of the individuals within their cages, in these tiny cages where they're kept apart from each other. So there's some laws, I think, in the EU that any social animal should not be kept on its own. And monkeys mm. are very social animals. I mean, golly, you can't get much more social. They're basically, yeah. they're, like, they're like humans. We, we need other people around us to be healthy. Um, they're very much the same, but they're kept in these tiny little cages on their own. Um, images of beagles, who, dogs that are, that are like laying in their own blood and filth. It's, it's quite disturbing. And I, yeah, I, I sort of, um, I've been part of animal exploitation in the past in a scientific sense. And I know, um, what mentality drives that sort of behavior. I've, I've been privy to it. I've been part of it. I've, perpe I've perpetrated it myself. And it's this, once, once animals become an object of our use, they, they then, they then you, to distance yourself from the atrocities that you're putting on these animals, that you're um, committing against these animals, you almost um, disassociate them from their sentience, from their individuality, mm. from their self-autonomy, and they become an object. They become yeah. something to use. And that's, for me, when I look at this footage, I, that's what I see. I see that they are, that these individuals are not seen as individuals. They're not treated in that way. They're treated as... Part of the process. Yep. yep. As, as a chair would be treated, as, as anything that, as a tool. And it, it's really horrific. Mm. Um, but it, it happens because we have this ethos within our society that we can do what we want to animals. Yep. <laughs> Um, and unless, you know, people come out and say, well, we really need these, these experiments to see whether things are, um, can be used in mm. humans and whatnot. And this, when I was watching a video from the person who was in the lab and took this footage, um, they were talking about, you know, some of these, these tests are because a company wants to, um, create a new lozenge, like this is an example, this is, this is fictitious, but it's very similar to what's the truth. They, they want to make a new lozenge um, with an orange flavor instead of a lemon flavor. And because it's the, the, um, the ingredients have changed, the formulas change, they need to test that. So, so if you're going out and buying the newest medication, but you could get some other um, generic medication that's been around for decades then by going and buying that new medication, you're actually um, supporting this sort mm. of thing. You're supporting um, the mistreatment of these animals because to get the, that stuff through, that new formula um, through, they need to go through these tests. And I'm not a scientist <laughs> by a stretch, but nowadays I would imagine that a lot of these tests wouldn't even require... I mean, like there's literally no reasoning why it needs to be done so, uh, on animals like because there are so many different ways or synthetic builds or something like that which you could again i'm not a scientist mm. <laughs> but i'm presuming there are ways of testing this mm. nowadays well, we're testing a lot of different things funny yeah. you mention that christian because i am a scientist and yeah. then there are, you know there are other ways yeah. to go oh. about testing things but but the the, the the cases here are even are even worse than that because mm. they're often they're often cosmetic. They're not. They're not like cosmetic. Um, sort of. They're not testing cosmetics because that's mm. been banned in many places, yep. and including the EU. I'm pretty sure. Um, but the the implementation of these these drugs is cosmetic. 
hmm. often, or it's a change so that a pharmaceutical can get a new market share by saying, well, we've a got new this label. new formula. Yeah, 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 and they can up the, up the price. But even worse than that, a lot of, a lot of drugs have such poor translation hmm. that, um, you know, and I'm talking like, so the way that, the way that um, medical testing occurs to get something into um, human, as a human medicine, to hmm. allow it to be classed as a human medicine, needs to go through stages of testing. And P0, phase zero, is where you need to test it on animals before it can even go into human trials, human clinical trials. And that is legislated. So mm. in many countries around the world, you must do that. So even if we know that testing on animals isn't going to be helpful or isn't going to help this experiment, have you have to do it because yep. the government says, if you want to trial things on humans, you first have to trial them on animals. Even though it probably won't have any kind of similar results whatsoever. Well, in, in, <laughs> so there's um, been some meta-analysis on this stuff, which is a way of pulling in many different um, many different analysis about the the translation of um, medicines from an, uh, animal experimentation t- through to human use and in certain areas like for cancer cancer medicines like a four percent translation rate so ninety six percent of animals being experimented on are or 96% of um, studies that are using animals fail once they get into human trials, but they still they still hurt and, and torture all those animals. And it's like, why do we continue to do this when, you know, as Christian said, there are other ways we can do it. Not always, but I feel like if we were, if we really wanted to, we really invested in producing mm. better human facsimiles, better human models, we could do it. We could yep. get rid of animals. But the scientific um, bodies and the legislation around this stuff is so archaic mm. that it means it's really hard to do that. Basically, yeah. billion, billions of dollars every year are being wasted on animal experimentation, leading to no human benefit. Yeah. But and that's always the, the um, argument that people come up with. And that's billions of dollars that could be put towards finding ways to test these things without... <laughs> without animals, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Which would have, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a, yeah, we'll get there. We'll keep, keep fighting the yeah, fight. Well, and, um, and if we, if we bring these things to light, I think we can, we can really push yeah, it. Keeps, like, think about it. We've probably wouldn't have been until too recently when we had, um, there wasn't things like B12 supplementation mm. until somewhat recently in terms of the human, <laughs> human timeline. So little by little, we're adding to it and finding ways to go completely vegan. So, yep. Yep. That's just another step, another step in the wrong. And we will we will get there. Um, the evidence the evidence is largely becoming um, on our side in that space. Um, all right. So the next the next piece of news I want to talk about, which is very similar to um, this lab footage that's come out. Again, it's it's based within human uh, animal experimentation out of Auburn University in the U.S., which I think is in um, southern southern U.S. Um, possibly in Mississippi, I think. Uh, but it's they, there was recently, when you do animal experimentation, you need to note what's been going on and um, if there's been any breaches of the animal ethics that you've got. So you need to put in an animal ethics application that says this is how you can treat animals. Um, if, you, if, this, if anything goes outside of this, you need to let us know. And apparently, a lab at this Auburn University uh, sent in a... Um, a sheet to the ethics board or whatever it is in America saying that um, 
hazardous drugs were given to animals while they were alive rather than post-euthanasia or post-murder. Um, and basically what had happened is they were doing some sort of experiment where you had some hazardous drugs, something that shouldn't be given to a living individual in this case, um, and what was meant to happen is they would, they would kill these individuals and then they'd put the drug, test the drug on, on, their, on their, um, their physiology and then that, that would be it. What, would, what had happened is there were um, students in this lab who hadn't read protocols and were injecting this hazardous material into living individuals. So even within the, from within the scientific perspective, this is a massive breach of, of scientific protocol. They weren't actually doing the experiment they were meant to be doing. But from an animal, animal um, perspective, it's also horrible even outside, even if you were a scientist and you supported animal animal um, experimentation, this sort of stuff is just unforgivable. You can't yeah. just you can't do this. And I think it stems it stems from a place of treating, like you were saying before, animals as part of the process as objects. Because mm. if let's say they were still sloppy and they didn't read or anything, if mm. they treated the animals with respect. Mm. Let's presume somehow that they're there. Yeah, anyway. they, they, the yeah. treatment respect, or A, they wouldn't be part of the process mm. if they did. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah. but B, they would actually take the care and go, hang on a second, maybe that's not part of it, and I'd actually check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a, yeah that's, that's just where it stems from, I think. So Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I think it really it really just highlights this point that um, once we get into the space of using animals for our own benefits, we um, we just lose any we we largely lose any consideration for those individuals. Mm. They're no longer individuals; they're a number. They're yep. a, they're an object to use. They're a tool. Yep, and that's horrendous. Yes. All right. Um, on that can, note, can we end on an up note? Oh, okay. Let's end on an up note. Have you got an up note? Oh, okay. This is one. This is one that I um I'd like to end on. Actually, it's pretty funny. Uh, go and check out a um an ad that the the UK farmers so some some group, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. some group in the UK yeah. like a farmers group maybe it's like the UK farmers association or federation or something um, they're they're up in arms over a supermarket ad a tesco ad i think is it, it was. a tesco ad yeah, yeah yeah so this tesco and tesco if you're in australia um, tesco's like uh, coles or a woolworths yeah. it's a, it's One the of large the big uk um, ch- uh, supermarket yeah. chains and this ad basically it has it has um, this dad in the kitchen cooking cooking up some food and he's like, you know I, I love cooking um, curried sausages or something mm-hmm. and but the other day my daughter came in came home and said dad I'm not going to eat meat anymore and I thought about it for a minute and I and and then it's sort of promoting vegan sausages. I think actually the wording is I could be wrong but I think the wording is actually like dad I don't want to eat animals anymore. Oh even, even better. Even more explicit. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so they're really they were really drawing that connection between animals and meat which oh, which is never done by mm. um by farming federation farming organizations. Can you imagine if Coles did that here? Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, so really making that connection and then promoting vegan sausages or plant-based sausages. And mm. it, so it's a really, I mean, good on Tesco for doing this yep. sort of thing um, and, and 
seeing the the benefit of of promoting plant based alternatives. But yeah, the farming the farming groups in in the UK went up, were up in arms and were getting really shirty about it all. Yeah, they want the ad pulled and saying <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, about it how it's not part of a balanced diet and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it depicts it depicts the farming um, farming in a bad bad light. Negative light. Yeah. Negative light. And so <laughs> the thing is, you can see, I can see where like, you know, farming industry is coming from because obviously it's hurting their industry, but this is where you need to look at, okay, well then how can you transition to something that's a bit more <laughs> on the better side of morality? Yeah. <laughs> um, because no, no one is saying, oh, these people are, um, shouldn't have a livelihood, but mm. maybe that livelihood should be... Uh, involved in, you know, grain farming or yep. <laughs> something that doesn't involve the exploitation of sentient beings, basically. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, go definitely go. So, of all the footage from that we've discussed today, we've had some horse footage, which is pretty horrific. We've had some lab footage, which is certainly horrific. And we've talked about a an ad from Tesco. Go check out the Tesco ad, definitely, because it's a bit of a laugh. Um, and and certainly, um, if you, I find that uh, cruelty footage, I, I struggle to watch it nowadays. Uh, but when I do, it certainly motivates me to to do more for animals so if if you can watch it give it a go but certainly don't do it if it impacts your mental well-being because i know that i certainly get down for days and days after watching some of this footage so um, look after yourself uh, look after animals and look after each other Uh, you've been listening to uh, freedom of species Uh, you can catch us on facebook or twitter at foz radio um, if you've got any feedback, ch- jump on info at freedomofspecies.org. Send us, an, send us an email to that spot. And the show is every uh, 1 p.m. on Sundays. You tune in on 8.55 a.m. in Melbourne or we're streamed live via the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you stay tuned for In Psychedelia, and we're just going to go out with a song from good old Frenzel Rom. This is Cruelty to Animals.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.